Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, dear friends. Thank you for joining me, Pastor Visser, this Sunday morning for a look into both the book of Enoch and also Jude. Because many people ask, who is this Enoch character? Why are there so many books? For there is the book of Enoch, the secrets of Enoch, etc. And people question these because they're considered to be Gnostic. But yet oftentimes within the truth movement, you will hear us quote these. For example, if we read within the book of Jude, his general epistle, it's only one chapter, and it's found right before Revelation. Jude was the servant of Jesus Christ, but he was also considered the half-brother of Yahshua Messiah. But in his letter, he provides examples of judgment. It is Jude who tells us what we should look forward to right before Yahweh God comes in wrath or destroys a city. Examples of judgment begin in verse 5 of the general epistle of Jude. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now this would be considered the gainsaying of Kor, and you can read about this in the Old Testament. But indeed it was the mindset of Yahweh God, for... How would you feel as a father if time and time again you delivered your unruly children and they turn about and spat in your face by serving other gods or whoring after other nations? Well, at the gainsaying of Kor, that's exactly what happened. Yahweh God destroyed them that did not believe. Now, under the new covenant, they destroy themselves, those who do not believe in Yahshua. But that is a self-correcting flaw. Verse 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Now that's quite an interesting verse in my estimation, because it really goes into detail about what happened to those angels that fell. All the way back in Genesis chapter 6. And of course you're probably familiar with the story, because... Most of us are raised on the story of Noah and his ark. But those angels that fell, they saw the daughters of Adam. And they saw that they were fair and of ruddy countenance. And those angels, they desired to take wives from among them. And they bred what was known as giants. And that's exactly what we're going to be discussing this Sunday morning. Because I feel it has much importance. When Yahshua Messiah was teaching, he once said, As it was in the times of Noah, 
so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Meaning that what happened with the mixing and these examples that we're covering here in Jude will be happening again. So pay close attention to the next verse. Verse 7 in the general epistle of Jude. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So what's Jude saying? What he's saying is Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed in addition to many cities round about them, not just Sodom and not just Gomorrah. And they were destroyed for two acts that are listed here. The first one is giving themselves over to fornication. And the second, of course, is going after strange flesh. So we have the two crimes of miscegenation and homosexuality going on within the city of Sodom, causing it to be destroyed. So when Jude says that these are set forth for an example and they suffer the vengeance of eternal fire, that is so you will know. Now, if you skip forward to verse 14, Jude continues. He says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and all of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Now, I should point out, that's a direct quote from the book of Enoch, and we're not going to be going there today, because I want to really take a look at the Gregory, or the Watchers, the offspring of the fallen angels, also known as Nephilim. But here we're given a clue as to who the quote is that Jude is using, Proving that the book of Enoch, or Enochian scripture in general, should be canonized because it was accepted by the half-brother of Yahshua. But he says, Enoch also the seventh from Adam. Where can we read about him? Well, all the way back in Genesis. If you go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 18, you'll see what I mean. It says, Jared lived in hundred sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived, after he begat Enoch, eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared, Enoch's dad, were nine hundred sixty and two years, and he died. So, Jared, the father of Enoch, lived nine hundred and sixty-two years. And, of course, this is given here because longevity was in the cards, at least initially, when Yahweh God had his creation. Remember, Enoch is the seventh from Adam, that is, the seventh descendant. That would make Jared the sixth. Verse 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty-five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. So right there in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, we are provided a valuable key as to who Enoch is. The same exact Enoch who wrote the book and secrets of Enoch. And he was one who 
was not. For he pleased Yahweh God enough that Yahweh God took him. Now in all fairness, it should be pointed out two facts. Enoch begot Methuselah, and Methuselah is the longest recorded living human, at least in all of canon. He lived 969 years. Enoch lived 365 years on earth, and about 5,310 years in heaven. And of course, Enoch is mentioned in that Hebrews Hall of Fame, according to Hebrews chapter 11. And Jared, his father, lived 962 years. So what can we deduct? Technically, Enoch, who pleased Yahweh God and walked with Yahweh God much in the same exact manner as Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, lived longer than Methuselah because he lived longer or at least took a grand tour of heaven. And it's that grand tour we're going to take a look at. The second point, of course, is that Enoch was taken before the deluge, or the flood was sent upon the world of the ungodly. So when Jude quotes that from Enoch and says that Yahweh God will reserve judgment for those who live ungodly, you understand what the terminology is. And also, why Sodom and Gomorrah and many other examples tie into play in the book of Jude. These are considered by St. Jude to be filthy dreamers, according to verse 8, because they defile the flesh, they despise dominion, and they speak evil of dignities. Now, the interesting thing, at least according to my opinion, is that we understand that Yahweh God is in control of all things, do we not? We understand that angels did not keep their first estate, but they left their own habitation. Where was that? Well, their own habitation would have been the kingdom of Yahweh, or heaven, we could say. But they fell from heaven and were cast down, and we're going to cover that. They are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day, according to Jude, verse 6. And that's where we're going to be looking. Now, I don't expect every member of my flock, at least, to have a copy of The Secrets of Enoch, but I do suggest that you order it because there's much wisdom within it. Can we say it's canon? In my estimation, I believe we can, but of course, there's many people who can debate that, because it talks about the inner workings of the weather. It talks about the names of the angels and their ranks. In fact, it talks about the varying levels of heaven, something that our scripture, at least the King James Version, is quite suspiciously silent regarding. If you turn with me to the 18th chapter of The Secrets of Enoch, we'll begin reading right in the very beginning. Right at verse 1, we're instructed this, By the very same Enoch, the seventh from Adam, who walked with Yahweh God. Before we begin this, I do want to point out the importance of walking with Yahweh God, because we could overlook that and say, well, it's just a term. It means that we have faith and we're obedient. But there were several people within the Bible who walked with Yahweh God. In fact, I preached a sermon just this about five years ago titled, Enoch's Walk with God. And I believe I even preached in Abel's Walk with God. But the ability to walk with Yahweh God, physically, meaning de facto, holding our hand and giving us what we need, our every need, <laughs> is something that we should all be striving to do. But, verse 1, the men took me on to the fifth heaven and placed me, 
And there I saw many and countless soldiers called Grigori, of human appearance, and their size was greater than that of great giants, and their faces withered, and the silence of their mouths perpetual, and there was no service on the fifth heaven. And I said to the men who were with me, meaning angels, He's about to ask a question, and before we continue, I'd like to point out that these same Grigori are of human appearance, but yet they're hybrids between the daughters of Adam and the fallen angels of Yahweh God, also considered to be the sons of God in Scripture. So if we're dealing with the fifth level of heaven, then we know that these unions were unholy, that is. And there's a form of grace being extended, because five would be the number of grace. But understand that the Nephilim are not the product of mixing between non-whites and Adamites, but rather it's the mixing between the Adamite daughters, as is transcribed in Genesis chapter 6, and the fallen angels that we can read about in that same said chapter. Now what we're covering right here in the 18th chapter of The Secrets of Enoch is going to give you a behind-the-scenes detail into exactly what happened. But their faces were withered, and the silence of their mouths was perpetual, meaning that these same Grigori, these same offspring, these Nephilim, could not speak out, could not cry out, just as Jude confirmed, that they are reserved for that day of judgment. How can we say that? Well, we already covered it. Exactly like Sodom and Gomorrah, exactly like those angels that fell, they are an example an example of what will happen to those who will come after and live ungodly. Next verse, that is, verse 2 in the 18th chapter of the Secrets of Enoch. This is the question Enoch asks the angels. Wherefore are these very withered and their faces melancholy and their mouths silent? And wherefore is there no service on this heaven? Two questions. Why is there no service on this heaven and why is it so quiet? How come these giants cannot speak? Why are they reserved, and what are they reserved for? Next verse. And they, that is, those angels, said unto me, These are the Grigori, who, with their prince, Sataniel, rejected the Lord of Light. And after them are those who are held in great darkness on the second heaven. And three of them went down to earth from the Lord's throne to the place Ermon and broke through their vows on the shoulder of the hill Ermon, and saw the daughters of men, or Adam, and how good they are, and took to themselves wives, and befouled the earth with their deeds, who in all times of their age made lawlessness and mixing, and giants are born, and marvelous big men, and great enmity. Now that's a lot to say and a lot to cover. But if we work our way backward, here's the terminology, enmity, just as it is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. An enmity placed between what? Two seeds. The seed of the woman, who would be Christ and his descendants, you and I, and the seed of the serpent. And of course, Satan, or Sataniel, as it's here rendered, attempted to thwart that plan all the way in the beginning. From the very beginning and throughout all the ages, he has attempted to corrupt the holy bloodline. And if you don't believe me, well, simply order my book, Sataniel, the Chronicle of God's Adversary. 
I wrote it about seven years ago, and it is an in-depth look into Satan and Enochian literature, just like we're covering today. So, enmity comes into play here, does it not? But what did these giants, also rendered in the King James as tyrants, do? What did they bring about after the fall? Because these same giants were what? Nephilim, or the offspring of the angels and the daughters of Adam. Well, they made lawlessness and mixing, and giants were born because of them. So the angels fell. That is, they rebelled against God. That is the ultimate form of lawlessness. And they mixed with the daughters of Adam. So, when Jesus Christ, or Yahshua Messiah, says, as it was in the times of Noah, perhaps you should be looking forward to a great time of lawlessness and mixing, quote-unquote just as is mentioned here in the third verse of the 18th chapter of Secrets of Enoch. So, the giants are born of the angels and the Adamite women, and marvelous big men are born, and there's great enmity between the seeds. That is why, at least, they are on the fifth level of heaven. For that transgression, through their violation of God's law, now, there's much more to this story because elsewhere in Enoch were instructed that the spirits of these offspring unions, that would be the spirits of these Gregori themselves, are free to roam the earth in the form of a demon. And that is what a demon is in its most simplistic terms. The spirit of an Ophelium, free to roam the earth. But next verse, in verse 4, we're told, Therefore, God judged them with a great judgment, and they weep for their brethren, and they will be punished on the Lord's great day. Just as Jude and also Peter in his epistle write, that they are reserved for the day of judgment, reserved in chains of darkness, and their mouths are silent perpetual, that is, except for the fact that they cry continually for their brethren, because their brethren are bound under the saints, and they are tormented night and day. But that is exactly what Enoch is told. The Gregory are reserved on this fifth level for an example, once again, for the great and terrible day of Yahweh. It's considered that way because it's great for us, and it's terrible for the enemy. And of course, that's just my opinion. The word terrible has an entirely different meaning. Next verse. That is verse 5 of chapter 18. And I said to the Gregory, I saw your brethren in their works, in their great torments, and I prayed for them. But the Lord has condemned them to be under the earth till heaven and earth shall end forever. Now stopping right there, it's exactly what I said. That is where demons come from. From the unholy unions made between fallen angels and men. That is why also... The Gregory have the characteristics of men, and why we're told oftentimes to be kind towards strangers, because thereby have many entertained angels unaware. My point with this is Satan's number is a number of man, is it not? 666, indeed it is. And Satan is also a fallen angel. So angels can look like men, they can take on the characteristics of men. But that doesn't stop the false prophet from coming in and saying, well, all angels are men. I'm just a messenger. Angel just means messenger. But we've proven from past studies that's not true. 
Right here in chapter 18 of The Secrets of Enoch, the word angels and men is used interchangeably, back and forth, and throughout all the books of Enochian literature. But Enoch said to the Gregory, he says, I saw your brethren in their works and their great torments, and I prayed for them, showing that Enoch was a man after Yahweh's own heart, that he was meek, that he desired all to come to repentance, that he did not glory in the death of those who were necessarily disobedient. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts, or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, you will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. And continuing on. But the Lord has condemned them to be under earth till heaven and earth shall end forever. Now, of course, we're looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth, are we not? But the brethren for whom the Gregory weep for are condemned to be under the earth. Perhaps that's a study for another day. Verse 6. And I said, Wherefore do you wait, brethren, and do not serve before Yahweh's face, and have not put your services before Yahweh's face? lest you anger your Lord utterly? Simple question. Why is it that you're not serving Yahweh God the way you were designed to be? At least angels in their original state were designed to glorify Yahweh God with instruments and with their voice. But not so with the Gregory. We're instructed that their abode was on that fifth level of heaven where it was silent perpetually. They are reserved. They are considered wandering stars, according to Second Peter. Reserved for the day of judgment reserved in chains, and they only cry for those same said brethren. So understand what's being said. Enoch's asking a question. Why are you not putting forth your services before the Lord's face? Why, when you understand that that could anger Yahweh God completely towards you? Continuing on, verse 7. And they listened to my admonition, and spoke to the four ranks in heaven. And lo, as I stood with those two men, Four trumpets trumpeted together with a great voice, and the Gregory broke into song with one voice, and their voice went up before the Lord pitifully and affectingly. So understand what's being said. This is a show for Enoch. Enoch was given this so he could see that the purpose, once again, of all of creation is to give praises to Yahweh God. Do you do that, dear kinsfolk? Do you praise your Heavenly Father? Because I assure you, your Heavenly Father knows what's better for you than even what you think is best for you. And that's oftentimes where we as men and women fail. 
we try to row our own canoe and we try to do things our own way and it is usually nine times out of ten detrimental to us. But if we are patient and if we wait on the Lord, quote unquote, we wait on our Heavenly Father, He will walk with us. Indeed, He will. Perhaps I'll bring another study in that Walking with Yahweh series because there's numerous ways that we can walk with Yahweh God. But more on that later. If you turn with me to the second epistle of Peter, chapter 2, I'd like to read very quickly, beginning in verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but spared Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Now that's just three verses, but you should be able to see the similarities between Second Peter chapter 2 and the entire general epistle of Jude. They both say that these acts are designed to be an example of what happens to any nation or any person who wants to live like the devil as they did in the times of Noah or as they did in the times of Sodom and Gomorrah. Continuing on, verse 7. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds, their kinsfolk. Do you understand what's being said? Because Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, because he lived within that city, he vexed or troubled his own righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds, meaning misery loves company, and had brought Lot down. But not to fret, verse 9. Yahweh knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now notice what's being said there. Again, Yahweh God knows how to deliver the godly. Those are the saints. Those are his sheep out of temptations. So when you are tempted, overcome those temptations because the purpose of temptations is to try your faith to make you a stronger Christian, to make you love Yahweh God even more so than you do now. But if we submit to those temptations, we can be destroyed just like Sodom and Gomorrah just like those people round about Noah. Yahweh God knows how to deliver the godly, but also how to reserve the unjust, a polite way of saying the lawless and those who mix, under the day of judgment to be punished. Verse 10, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. What can we learn there? Well, many things, but first and foremost, angels do not suffer a fool in their folly. You saw this within the example of the war within heaven. For example, when Michael and Satan are contending over the body of Moses. <laughs> Michael did not bring railing accusation at that time, but rather said, the Lord rebuke thee. What's the purpose of all this? Do not entertain demons. Because a demon is merely the spirit, or at least the offspring, of a fallen angel. 
They know the law of God, or at least Sataniel does better than you do. And as a result, he's able to pervert it to his own gain. There is much deception down here in this latter era. And the overall theme of both Jude and Second Peter chapter 2 is not only about Enoch and his dealing with the Gregory or the Nephilim, but also dealings with false prophets, because that is another sign of the end times. There shall be many false prophets. For example, skipping back to verse 1, since we have our finger here in the second epistle of Peter, chapter 2. There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Several keys. There will be false prophets. Why? Because there were false prophets at the time of Christ, and there were most assuredly false prophets at the time of Peter. And unfortunately, because there are many false prophets in the land, many are deceived. In fact, if you continue reading in your own free time, you'll see that's the case. Peter says, many shall follow their pernicious ways. And in fact, he even goes on record by saying, it is because of the false prophet that the truth is obscured. That when the genuine prophet comes to tell you what the word of God says, well, it's evil spoken of because the false prophet comes in and they teach psychology or feel-goodism or the traditions of men, as Christ taught. So what can we learn from the 18th chapter in the Secrets of Enoch? And what can we learn of the taking of Enoch onto the fifth heaven by these angels? Well, many things, but there's things that we do not understand that are not altogether outlined within the scripture, and the word of God itself attests to that. That man cannot know the thoughts of Yahweh God. Now, we can know his morality. We know his will through his word, but we cannot know his thoughts. That is why judgment is left to him and him alone. But he was taken, and these were soldiers, Gregory. In fact, Goliath would have been the offspring of one of these same such unions. To give you an idea of the type of soldier or warrior type person these Gregory or Nephilim were. They were of human appearance. But scripture tells us here, at least according to the secrets of Enoch, that they weren't human at all. They were hybrids. They were only half human and they were half fallen angel. And then fortunately we're told in verse 3 of chapter 18 exactly who it was who led this revolt. He is told, these are the Gregory, who with their prince, Sataniel, rejected the Lord of light. Now, I've preached sermons in the past proving the importance of the light. But who is the Lord of light? For example, Jesus Christ said, as long as I am within the world, I am the light of the world. And even more specifically, I am the light of the world. Period. So, the Lord of light was rejected by Sataniel, meaning who did Satan reject, Yahweh God or Jesus Christ? In a nutshell, Sataniel rejected them both, because Christ taught, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. But they, with their prince, Satan, or Sataniel, or false god Satan, rejected the Lord of light, and after them are those who are held in great darkness in the second heaven. And three of them went down to earth from the Lord's throne to the place Armon, and broke through with their vows to the shoulder of the hill, and saw the daughters of men and how the good they are, and took to themselves wives, and befouled the earth with their deeds, 
who in all times of their age made lawlessness and mixing, and giants are born, and marvelous big men and great enmity. Now, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 6 and the King James Version of the Bible, we're going to point out many of the similarities. Because I don't want anybody walking away from this particular Sunday morning study by saying, well, Pastor Visser just left us with a bunch of malarkey and a bunch of uncanonized text. In Genesis chapter 6, we can begin reading in verse 1. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, that is a polite way of saying angels, saw the daughters of men, or Adam, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. So, exactly what we're discussing here. Although this gives you a different viewpoint of the same exact event. It came to pass when the Adamites, keep in mind we're dealing with Noah's era, and there's only been several generations at this time. The angels left their first estate, and they took from among the daughters of men, quote-unquote, according to chapter 6 in Genesis. Verse 3. And Yahweh said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. Now, that's the max. That's how long we're supposed to live. hundred and twenty years. But notice, one of the curses that's laid down, and in my opinion overlooked from the times of Noah, was that man's lifespan was shortened. Was it not? Methuselah, Enoch, these men lived over a thousand years because they walked with Yahweh God. But after the flood, because man was flesh and man's thoughts were evil continually, and just as were instructed in Enoch, because they preferred lawlessness and mixing, well, man's lifespan was shortened. Yahweh says, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he's also flesh, so his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. And the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. What's that? A polite way of saying giants. These are the Gregory, the creation of them de facto. Here is the terminology, giants. In the Hebrew, the word is nephilim. It's the plural of nephil. It means a bully, a tyrant, or a giant. And nephilim, as the Hebrew word, is used only here and in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. But other words are translated as giant or giants 18 other times in Scripture. So giants are very real, albeit they aren't like we believe them to be, that is, within fairy tales. They are bullies, they are tyrants, they are warriors, just like we're instructed in the book of Enoch. But verse 5 continues the narrative. And Elohim saw that the wickedness of man, or Adamites, was very great in the earth, and that the every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented Yahweh that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Now, stopping right there. Do you understand what's being said right there? Just as we feel emotions, just as we can grieve at our heart, so Yahweh God does as well. The point in case is we are created in his image. And the events that happened and transpired around the times of Noah, causing him to send that flood in upon the world of the ungodly, repented him. It made him upset, Yahweh God, that he had created his initial creation, man. But 
he did not make a full end. Do you understand the importance of that? Verse 7. And Yahweh said, I will destroy man whom I have created off the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh God. Now, of course, we're instructed why Noah found grace. He found grace because he was perfect within his generations. And Peter mentions Noah in addition to Jude, the half-brother of Christ. But Yahshua Messiah, Jude, Peter, all the latter apostles, meaning in its entirety the first century Christians, all use this book of Enoch. Whether it was the secrets of Enoch or Enoch 1 or 2 is beside the point. The fact that Enoch is mentioned, and we covered that this morning, proves that Enochian literature most likely should be canon. If not canonized, it should be at least read by every theologian to get an idea of the author's worldview. Enoch was taken for the purpose of giving latter visions, meaning giving visions for a latter era. He was taken all the way back then, thousands of years ago, so that he could tell you how the weather operates, how time operates, that angels are real. That those angels that fell thousands and thousands of years ago, and the offsprings of those unholy unions that were made between the fallen angels and ushered in by the Prince Sataniel are reserved. But yet, of course, we're instructed that their spirits roam the earth. And I'll bring a study on that in the near future. But what are demons? They're extremely real. So they're just as real as angels are. And there will be many men and women who want to come in and convince you that they don't exist. And most likely that is because they are possessed. Perhaps, in its most simplistic terms, if an angel is able to convince somebody that he doesn't exist, well, he's able to host and possess that same said individual. But what we're told in Genesis chapter 6 and here this morning in the 18th chapter of the Secrets of Enoch is that the evil that transpired in the times of Noah was two ways. There was no seduction, no beguilement. There was no trickery involved, but rather two guilty parties. The hearts of men and the daughters that allowed the angels to come in unto them and the same exact angels that fell. Two guilty parties leaving Yahweh God with no options but to send the flood 40 days and 40 nights, sparing only Noah and his offspring and two of all flesh aboard that ark. About 10 years ago, I preached a sermon titled Noah's Flood, Flesh or Beast. And many of the points that we covered this Sunday morning, I covered within that particular sermon as well. But for the most part, you will see that the examples of Sodom and Gomorrah and the examples of Noah's flood are interchangeable. They're always side by side. And they're examples given you, once again, so you will not make the same mistakes. And perhaps that's one such question I'm asked more than any other, and that is, how come these men within the Bible and the Word of God aren't perfect? Why is it that David fell and Solomon fell and oftentimes even Moses and men like that who walked with Yahweh God were able through their humanistic characteristic to anger Yahweh God and to drive him away? Well, that is because just like Sodom and Gomorrah and just like the flood that was sent in Noah's time, they're examples. 
But a truly wise man can learn from the examples of other people or the mistakes of other people. So who is your example? The full pattern is Jesus Christ. Satan was created the full pattern initially, according to the book of Ezekiel. But iniquity was found within him. What is iniquity? That's a polite way of saying lawlessness. Lawlessness. He was lifted up because of his beauty, Sataniel. And he desired to be worshipped and reverenced like a god. We still see those behaviors today. In fact, when you see ego enter into the equation, oftentimes that's a red flag that you're listening to a false prophet. So angels and demons are real. And if you haven't already, I'll invite you to order my book, Sataniel, The Rise and Fall of God's Adversary, because I feel it will edify your walk and strengthen you against the Jewish belief of Yetzirah, or that is, that Satan is just man's evil inclination or their evil heart. I would like to remind the listener, once again, before I conclude this weekend, that Covenant People's Ministry is suffering financial setbacks. And if you want to know more about that, simply listen to the two-part sermon titled Evil Dung. It's accessible at covenantpeoplesministry.org and also on YouTube. But it explains how we as a church have fallen, temporarily at least, into financial ruin. So if you're able to support this ministry for the month of October 2015, we'd appreciate any support that you'd be able to send this way. So until next time, this is Pastor Visser from the heart of the Dirty South, which is Brooks, Georgia, bringing you sermons usually about twice a week, good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> until next time, great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry! Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given. That wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.